right. So, Fernando, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. And you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So I really wanted to talk about the the breath of God because recently I've had this experience where as I'm waking up, I start getting messages, downloads, sometimes visions. Um, sometimes it's like the mind's eye. Sometimes it's actually a dream type vision as I'm waking up. Um, and I had this kind of mind's eye vision where I could picture the whole globe all wearing these masks walking around and for some reason everyone on the planet kind of looked alien to me like as if I was a viewer that wasn't human and when I noticed everyone had these masks on that just cover their mouths or half their face I had this um, realization this knowing that it was from the dark side possibly from reptilians the dark corporations you talk about that in a sense, it's almost like the devil mocking God saying that I'm going to shut off the connection to source through breath, through God's breath. And at the same time, I had this realization that it's there's a reason why it's the whole planet. Almost like there's a big shift going to take place worldwide and the dark side's trying to stop it. Um, what, what's your thoughts on the breath of God and the vision I had? Yeah, it's... I think it's many questions in in one question um, concerning the the masks, which I prefer to call muscles because they are like the muscles that people put into dogs, so they don't speak and uh, don't bite. Yeah, I think in general, to me, that's what the masks are because they are not really solving any problem i think the the propagation of this sort of psychopandemia is mostly made possible because of the infusion of fear because people have been receiving a very stressful message from their leaders political leaders even doctors are promoting a way of seeing things which is absolutely stressful for the mind and all that is generating a state of disease all over not not only physical disease but mental emotional disease and the masks are simply the the, the external expression of, of that people have been shut up so to say and they are not allowed to speak the truth Many people nowadays are telling truths that had remained concealed for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And humanity is living in a state of waking up in general. And there are forces, entities we might say, which have realized that too many people are waking up. And in my opinion, they are somehow moving leaders to promote these kind of measures and create a state of general havoc. Actually, um, in one of the videos which I made some, I think, one month ago or one month and a half about unveiling the coronaviruses and the astral parasites, I spoke about a very strange historical pattern where we see 
the rising of plays like the Black Death and uh, Spanish influenza, Spanish flu, wrongly called Spanish flu because it emerged in, in other places, not Spain, but we see that every time humanity begins to wake up, humanity somehow is forced to shut up, to don't spread the message of truth and suffer ailments such as a plague. In the ancient past were other types of plagues. Now we are full of this sort of symptoms which have to do with the lungs, the digestive systems and many other type of ailments. But I think the, the pattern is exactly the same. Every time humanity begins to shatter the chains, I think there are factors which try to keep humanity from waking up. And obviously the breath, the divine breath, which is a subject that we have to expand in, we have to go deep uh, into other areas to, to understand it better. But the breath of, of the divine is somehow related to this because when we keep people from breathing, we are stealing the life of humanity, the life of living beings, and therefore this is an insult to life in general. We cannot keep people from getting sick just by promoting the use of masks because it's, for instance, demonstrated that you can get a virus through the eyes and through the ears and even through the skin. So in most cases, if there is a virus, which I, I don't think there is just one virus, there are thousands, millions of viruses. We have been surrounded by viruses always. And even if you wear the sort of masks which are using many people nowadays that would be completely useless in, in case there would be some mortal virus. So I think, yeah, this global use of masks is very much related to conditions of psychological stress, which belong to a program of depopulation, a pro program to shut up people, but obviously most leaders wouldn't accept that because they are just receiving orders from the ones who work in the shadow. Anyway, we shouldn't be too much worried about what they do or focus too much on conspiracies because I think there is no conspiracy. I think that the dark powers have always been operating openly and the truth is open. And those who can see, they can perceive all what, it, all what I'm saying. So. Yeah, so what um so exactly let's dive deep into it. What is the breath of God or it's kind of weird. I don't even like saying the breath of God. It almost sounds like that in itself is an egregore or thought form or like a false perception. What would you say I guess the breath of Jehovah or Yahweh is? Is that the proper way I should say it? 
Well, divine breathing is the movement of the cosmos from a single source of divine love and divine light, divine life. Um, I think the divine breath is expressed in ancient languages. I think the most famous and the one most people would recognize is the four-letter word used in the Torah, the Hebrew scripture, which most people pronounce as Jehovah, Yahweh, even Yahweh, Jehovah in Spanish. But I wouldn't focus too, too much on this sort of pronunciations because most people think of Yahweh or Jehovah as an entity. And it's not an entity. It's a movement of existence which can actually be identified in ancient cultures. We hear about um, Yahawa, which was the name of the great spirit in Native American cosmovisions. We hear about the name of Hawaii, uh, the name of the state of Iowa, for instance. And I think those pronunciations come from an ancient language which express both the divine breath itself, the sound of breathing through us when we breathe in. You will notice certain vowels or sounds which have also an harmonic component. This was one of my main discoveries and it was very surprising to me because harmonics are the structure of sound, the structure of reality. And divine breath contain harmonics which always move in the, in the same way. And one of the things that I discovered is that the structure of breathing not only explains how divine love and divine life came to emerge, but also the way we can grow inwardly and remove all darkness. And obviously this is a question which should be investigated in, in sections. I don't know if you want me to go deep into that, but um, concerning the divine breath itself, just pay attention, for instance, to how we breathe. When we breathe in, it's because there is a space in the lungs. And when we breathe out, we leave most part of, of the lungs empty. There is one third or fill up, let's say. But think that when the Holy One, the infinite being, uh, open a space, somehow he mm, breathes out, leaving all his essence flow into a space. And this flow of mm, living life was full of unconditional love, is what is known in ancient cultures as the um, energy of life, Shekhinah in Hebrew. And in this, 
energy of life, there was also conscience, pure conscience, a love, a respect for life, vitality, serenity, qualities which are divine in itself. And this is acknowledged in different cultures. But in, in the Hebrew wisdom, all is very concise and complete. And we are somehow told that divine conscience is the sun, it's known as the sun, and it emerges within the womb of life, which is the mother. And the origin is known as the father, the will, which contains the movement itself or the, the, the seed from which the whole movement sprung or emanates. And once these qualities develop, somehow they form a network of living beings, which are the, the last expression of, of life. There are four, father, mother, son, and daughter. And the, the living forms themselves would be the, the daughter, the daughter life. And that's basically the structure of the Tetragrammaton, Yud, Hei, Vav, Hei, father, mother, son, and daughter. But they all together are one single organism, one single being. They are not hypostases, they are not different personalities. They are just the divine personality being expressed in a whole movement of breathing. But there was a point in which this divine breath was somehow broken by entities which disconnected themselves from the living breath. And this is very much what humanity has been experiencing since they emerge, since humans have been trapped in this sort of prison created for them. And that's obviously, that's obviously related to the masks. Uh, it's interesting um, what you're saying, because it reminds me of um, the, these paintings I saw online where this one person, it's like an old painting um, and this person's like meditating. And then they're like, they're in, through their breath, they're like sucking in the sky, it looks like. And the sky kind of looks like a, a heavenly father kind of being a little more esoteric looking though. And then it goes straight into their lungs. And that's what I feel like the universe is. And it's like, um, it's like, uh, I don't know. I feel like the, the breath of God is really like what, like what you said, it, it it's what kind of like created the cosmos and all the, like everything we're made out of the quantum kind of molecules and, and everything, I feel like it's really connected. And also the, the harmony of the universe, you talk about the song. Um, you know, what's interesting too, is what I came across is the connection between masks and magic and connecting how people, how that's kind of a dark ritual. Um, do you know anything about that? And could that play into the factor of this COVID-19? Everyone has to wear masks, even if it's hot, even if it's, uh, you can barely breathe. Yes, I think um, it's, it's all part of um, witchcraft, a way of controlling the word, the divine word, which is basically the divine breath as well. 
And as I said before, as people have to be somehow shut up. And we are seeing that in the public media as well. You cannot say certain things in public, even in YouTube. If you say certain words or you speak about certain things, there are uh, algorithms impressed in the mechanism of YouTube, which detects all the videos which contain these expressions and these words, and they uh, have a team of, of researchers which can which can uh, bring your your channel down completely. And I think this is a sort of magic, yes. And magic has to do with the use of magnetism, the use of the, the quantum world, because the world in which we live is completely, um, or is structured in a very fragment, fragmented, way it's completely broken things do not flow as they should and when the the expression and the breath doesn't flow this obviously is a manifestation of that state of imprisonment which we are experiencing as a whole as, as a collective human whole and when, when you said before that the reality somehow is a quantum structure, I'd say true reality or the true um, essence of reality is not, is not quantum, is more organic or let's say not fragmented because quantum is made up of quanta or, or packages or energy. Mm, little uh, expressions of energy which already express manif or manifest the, um, the fragmentation of reality and when we move into the tree of life there seems to be a, a continuous flow where there is no fragmentation Let, let's say there would be waves of energy there we would have there then the dilemma between wave and particles. And let's say that divine reality is more a wave. Everything is connected. And divine breathing is a constant movement where inhalation and exhalation and the state of rest are somehow connected. But when we stop this movement, then there is stagnation. And the stagnation of life is what generates uh, explosions and disease. I think the so-called Big Bang probably derived from stagnations in the, in the past because of the wrong use of energy, the stealing of energy, the um, imprisonment of the divine world, performed by the foreign architects. And we are seeing all this in our society. This is an act of magic. I think I agree with that. Yeah. Um, 
what's your thoughts of the Big Bang? Uh, so you brought that up. Um, in my research, it seems the Big Bang was um, like almost like a like a fairy tale or false story or a manipulation of sorts from the dark side given to um, the Origin of Species author. Uh, I forgot his name. Um, you, you know who I'm talking about, right? Because there was even in his personal notes that he received the Big Bang theory in a dream state and a theory of evolution in a dream state from these higher beings. Well, um, the Big Bang or the biggest explosion, uh, usually in, in physics, is connected to a certain uh, residue, the background energy, which um, according to some astrophysicists, is due to a big explosion from which everything started to, to flow outward, out, outwards. Um, there was a point, and then from this point, everything came out. I don't think um, the origin of the universe was just one point. I think what physicists perceive as the background radiation and the residue of a big explosion have to do with what ancient traditions call the, the big war of the universe, the chaos in which the universe entered because of the, the action of certain fallen entities. In Hebrew wisdom, for instance, they speak about the, the shattering of the vessels. This was a concept used by Rabbi Isaac Luria in the 16th century, I think. And he uh, explained how the tree of life began to work differently because of this shattering of the vessels. The vessels were the original containers of light, different species, but some of them wanted all the light for themselves. They didn't want to share light. And therefore, these vessels exploded because they were very greedy, very egoistic. And as they could not hold divine energy within, this divine energy began to create a disharmonia within certain living entities. And therefore, this disharmonia began to affect the planets. And since the planets are the, the previous step to stars, then stars also were affected. And to me, this is probably the origin of certain explosions that we hear about. Astrophysicists have even detected explosions, supernovas, and different kinds of phenomena that to me have to do with this exploding nature of the fallen universe. And the key is something is not that something is not working properly handling energy. There are different species in the universe which don't understand the nature of true unconditional love, which is sharing. It's not just giving, it's a process of giving and receiving, sharing all the gifts, all the talents. 
making everything work. In true life, no one is lacking anything. But if you have a universe in which some powerful beings want all the benefits of life for themselves and they leave a group of beings down below, that's the pyramid structure. What we see in the dollar, the ancient cultures build, build up pyramids and that has to do with the, the fallen universe, the tree of knowledge of good and bad. And therefore with the, with the so-called Big Bang, which is not just one Big Bang, but, but many explosions taking place in different areas of the universe. Even in the book of Enoch, we hear about how the heavenly bodies came out of their natural places because of the action of fallen angels. To me, that's related to the Big Bang as well. Whoa, no, I, I think you're spot on in your research, your visions, your knowingness, because that sounds about right, because I believe that that's where that knowledge is coming from there. These fallen entities are kind of giving their knowledge to some individuals, maybe twisting some of it here and there. Um, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Um, as you were talking, I pulled up some, I don't want to call them Bible verses, but some verses from ancient scriptures that are interesting. And I want to know your take on it. So for example, you have Ephesians four, six, and it says, um, quote, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then also in Colossians 3.11, it also mentions that um, Christ is in all and is, or is through all and in all, I believe. Um, now, is that talking about the very fabric of different realities, different dimensions, different densities that God is literally those things? He's in all things that make up everything. Uh, what do you think those verses are talking about? Yeah, those are very, very good verses. They explain what's the, the very essence of the Holy One. The Holy One is not just one being in some abstract place somewhere. Uh, the true living one, which is, goes beyond the concept of an abstract God, uh, becomes a father because he multiplies uh, itself. And then, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, uh, it's somehow above all, uh, even though I wouldn't use that expression, I, I would say the preposition meta, which is beyond, is through all, the uh, that's the preposition he uses in that verse, and also in all, en panta, that's the, the expression in Greek. So, beyond all, through all, and in all because the living one is living through everyone and multiplying itself through everything which is complete. But when you have a broken universe, then the Holy One, the Holy one is not always expressed fully because there are certain conditions which keep living beings from developing their holy essence completely. This is why in the tree of life, Everyone is an expression of the Holy One. So there is a divine oneness 
spreading outwards from the divine one. In Hebrew, that's known as Yahid, the unity, and Ehad, which is the oneness or the unicity. Actually, there is the, the famous prayer in Deuteronomy 6 is listen, Israel, the divine verb, Yud Hevav Hei Elohim, Yud Hevav Hei Echad. The divine verb is a verb unicity or oneness. This is hopefully translated as listen, Israel, the Lord God is one God. This is a falsification based on a fallacy which is known as abstract monism, in which God is a Lord or entity above everyone else. And this is the biggest lie in religion, the one which is causing people many troubles because they think they are completely separate from the living one. When the living one is literally breathing through us, living through us, watching through us, Everything sprouts from the one, but not everyone, not every people are perceiving this holiness in the center of their heart and their mind. And this is the problem. This is why we get sick, why we get isolated, why we believe that we are alone or lacking anything. And I think those verses explain precisely the, the living nature of the the Holy One expressing itself through the Son, which is the conscience growing within ourselves. As it is said, he who has the Father has the Son, because the Son is the Father. It's just the conscience growing from a will within a womb. That would be the Mother, the, the cosmic divine Mother, which manifests herself as life, the daughter. But obviously, conscience and will are the elements that are missing in our planet because most people speak about the Divine Mother and even the Divine Soul, the Divine Lady, which is trapped, and that would be the daughter. But they forget about the importance of the primordial source, the Father. And the, the son, which is the personality of the father, the conscience that must grow within ourselves to express this wholeness, this divine oneness. And even in, in spirituality, we hear much about uh, divine oneness and the, the cosmic mother, but they don't realize that the mother can be fallen. The nature we are seeing today is rather a stepmother nature because it com is completely crazy. Even the animals are doing things which are crazy. They commit suicide in mass or they attack humans sometimes for no reason. This is because the divine matrix has gone high work. It's completely out of herself. And the, the result is sickness and chaos all over. And we also have a oneness which is completely disharmonized. For instance, we can have a pack of wolves attacking a prey, 
and eating that poor animal to survive, that's not in tune with the Holy One. It's the result of modifications that were made in the past. So it's a broken oneness. That's the reason why I, very sus I am very suspicious when people speak about oneness and the Divine Mother, and they don't take into consideration the true nature of the Holy One, which is wholeness and harmonia in conscience. Wouldn't you say that all these, I guess, most new agers, the people that want to connect to the oneness, the godmother, um, wouldn't you say that this information is coming from the fallen architects, fallen angelic beings, other hosts of different entities, species to deceive some groups of people? Because it's almost like they give them enough information so that you feel like you're in the truth. And then only in the end, you realize it's not the truth or you find out during your experience. What do you think is going on there? Um, do some people tap into God without knowing the full truth? Or is this a wolf in sheep's clothing cults going on? It's totally that. Um, it's wolves in sheep clothing because uh, the, the doctrine of the um, Divine Mother, I, I would say the doctrine of the Step Mother is very ancient. It comes from the ancient past where cultures worship the Mother and behind many of those cults there, there, there are rituals of sacrifice, uh, rituals of imprisonment, using people as slaves, as workers, for certain purposes. And obviously this is not in tune with the true loving reality of true life. Uh, I'm not saying there is not a divine mother, but I wouldn't call it matrix. I, could, I would call it the energy of life. But the energy of life is completely hijacked in this planet. And if you go into the ancient past, you will find figurines. They were known as Venuses. They are very well known in anthropology. And there is actually a, a field of study focused on the, the mother cults. There was a woman known as Maria Jimbutas. She was from the east of Europe and she became very famous studying this cult because we can find it everywhere. And I think there might be something related to deception because worshiping the, the matrix of the Divine Mother is very deceptive. Actually, all shamanistic views very often get lost in the messages coming from the matrix. If you, for instance, consume ayahuasca or some sort of mushroom and start having hallucinations, then all the information that you are gonna get come from the nature of the mushroom, the nature of the plants, the spirit of the plants, as shamans say. And these spirits have their own interest Many of them are predators. 
this is why you find the serpent um, embedded in many of the traditional shamanistic art. And even though they give wisdom, it's the wisdom of the serpent. This is why it was known Sophia. Sophia comes from office, which is serpent. And the wisdom of the serpent is twisted. Even if it's full of details and full of knowledge, even if the serpent gives us the keys of how the universe works, that doesn't lead us to liberation. It can be a trap as well. So, yes, I think there is much deception going on in the culture related to the use of drugs or shamanism, the divine mother. We have to be very careful about all these things because they, they have never worked. Yeah, I noticed that you really have to find quote-unquote god for yourself you have to lead like when when the the messiah said he's the way the truth and the life that means i have to seek out the truth i have to seek out the life i have to seek out the true way and not let any biases blindfold me or any doctrine whether it be something about shamanism or something about even the local church I shouldn't be like a slave to any of those ideologies. I should constantly be weaving through things to get to the true source. Um, you know, what was interesting is you mentioned the wolves and animals, how they eat other animals and how this doesn't connect to the I amness. What are your opinions about ancient Judaism, how they would atone for their sins by sacrificing animals? Well, that, that was not only in, in Judaism, but it was present in other cultures as well. We find that idea in the religion of Christos Serapis in Egypt, in which uh, a god with beer was sacrificed and his blood cleansed the, the sins of people. That was the origin of the later notion of Christianity. Actually, one of the mistakes of Paul was mixing up this idea of sacrifice in order to atone for the sins, which was present also in, in Judaism, in the temple, they performed sacrifices. And even the prophets said this was not the, the will of the living one. Isaiah uh, and other prophets wrote that very clearly. And some say nowadays that the sacrifice is the, the food that we eat or the things that we do. But the problem is having this idea of sacrifice, which to me comes from the cannibalistic nature that was infused into humanity thousands of years ago. There have been found cadavers, human cadavers, probably victims of ritual sacrifice or at least cadavers which show uh, marks of cannibalism. And it was practiced by humans. And in my opinion, one of the reasons why the religions of sacrifice, animal sacrifice were instituted might be to get humans out of those cannibalistic practice, practices. 
even th there was a ritual in um, Egypt in which they ate the holy wafer of Osiris, which was the body of Osiris. And there might be entities which, which tried to get humans out of human sacrifice as it was performed in, in ancient times. But obviously, sacrificing animals was not the best solution. Actually, there are entities which literally feed off the, the energies coming out of the fear of animals or even the fear of humanity as, as a whole. And this can be even seen in, in the scripture when we hear about the pleasant smell to Jehovah. We can, we can say that the false God is Jehovah. I wouldn't pronounce the holy name or the holy verb that, that way. And Jehovah is a group of entities which literally feed on the energy of other living beings. And that's the reason of sacrifice, even mass sacrifice in humanity is run by these entities, mostly of reptilian nature. They are depicted in the Mayan temples, even in Egyptian temples. And in China, we hear, we see also the presence of dragons, which literally generated dynasties, monarchy, the monarchy represents this pyramid, the food chain, I would say. You cannot have a social structure in which there is a division between the strongest and the weakest without a carnivore uh, or cannibalistic or sacrificial system running in the shadows. Wow, very interesting. The it's interesting too because um um I just finished David Ike's David Ike's book, um, Children of the Matrix. And he talked about that, um, the false religions of Jehovah Witnesses and Mormonism, how it stems back to um reptilian bloodlines and Freemasonry and the Illuminati. And it's pretty obvious when you do the research that these connections are there they're documented and a lot of people deny that it's really interesting um i sent you uh i want i would like I, I would like your opinion on it live right now um an email um that's a video of like a chant like a yahweh chant auto nigh chant and i just want your opinion on that and i'm gonna play it during the i'll edit it in the 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 podcast the sound and I want your opinion on that. Is it like the dark side of Adonai or is it kind of the, the, the I amness? I just want your opinion on that. Um, just let me know when you have the email. Yes, I have, I have the, the video in front of me right now. Oh, okay. So what's your opinions on that? Well, uh, I think um, it, it depends on the context, but um, using the expression Adonai, um, 
in replacement of the tetragrammaton, he's pronouncing yud hevav hey Adonai. Uh, sometimes it's related to the, um, the replacement made by the Masorets in the ninth century because they didn't want to pronounce the the verb, the holy verb, um, which in ancient times would more would be more related to Yehuah or Yahuwah, because those are the, the vowels that generate the harmonic movement. I have demonstrated that in one of my videos. And well, it depend, all depends in the context. Mm. Many, many times these sort of formulas are used in religious context and they create an atmosphere of devotion. And this is the problem when we are worshiping something which is un unknown or out outside ourselves, then we are back into the trap. It depends on, on what we are thinking, what we are feeling. But in general, I would say these sort of formulas are hypnotic, are like the mantrams in India or like the sacred chants in, in, the, in the, the monasteries of Russia, of Russia and Greece, Mount Athos. And there are very beautiful expressions, musical expressions in those places. I think one of my favorite sacred chants are the, um, the Orthodox Greek chants, which contain um, ancient formulas. They pronounce the, the name of Christos no, and these sacred words. And well, it all, it all depends on how you think about the Christos. Today, that word doesn't say anything to most of us because we don't speak Greek, but to a Greek speaking person, that would be related to the anointing of light. And the word Adonai is usually translated as the Lord, and the Lord is the fallen expression, because the Lord is someone who is above the, the slaves or the ones who are run or controlled by the Lord. I would say uh, Adonio or the Adonaios as it was expression in ancient times is more related to the, the master that must grow within ourselves. It's not just a person outside or a divine God somewhere outside. So uh, with this sort of musical mantrams and musical formulas, we have to be very careful. I wouldn't use that to meditate, for instance, because it's... Uh, it's a, a hypnotic way of repeating words, empty the mind, and becoming more subject to the influence of who knows what. No? I think inner growth has to do more with the expansion of conscience and awareness of sharing our talents, and how to distribute energy properly so don't, we don't fall into weaknesses and things like this. Spirituality can use music as, as, an, as a way of calming down the energies, but 
in a specific context. When we present sacred rituals or sacred um, ways of making music openly, this can be interpreted in so many ways that it sometimes or many times can be deceiving. That's my, my take on that. Okay, yeah, because sometimes the vibe I get from that video is kind of more on the dark side. Like, it's a little, like, because, um, you know, like, in ancient demonic rituals, they kind of use Hebrew letters anyways, and they kind of use chants like that. I don't know. I was kind of watching it, and I thought I'd get your opinion on that. That was very interesting. The They're using Adonai, but at the same time, it kind of gets dark. Like, if you fast forward in the video, they have, like, pentagrams around the Star of David as well. Um, this might be a little off topic, but what are your thoughts on pentagrams? Are they like a twisted form of the I amness, or is it just strictly from the dark side? Well, um, strictly speaking, the pentagram represents the union of five centers, which is the mental center, the emotional center, the instinctive organic center, the motor center and then consciousness which would be the the, fe- the fifth element awareness embracing mm, the four sides or even consciousness embracing the the usual senses but uh, in some context it uh, can be uh, satanic when when you find the the pentagram pointing downwards. The pentagram was a very ancient symbol. It was the symbol of the school of Pythagoras. Um, And it still belongs to the tree of knowledge of good and bad. Because um, you can use a symbol for one side or the other, for good purposes or bad purposes. In true reality, there are no symbols of any kind because no one needs to use letters or configurations for the mind because all is flowing in oneness and there is a silent understanding of everything. There is nothing external. But in our world, everything is fallen and everything comes out in the form of language, symbols, even certain sacred images. And it all depends on who is using them for what purposes. I don't see anything evil in the pentagram itself. Actually, in the Renaissance, the teachings of Pico de la Mirandola, which was a Kabbalist that united Christianity and Kabbalah, in that sort of philosophical movement, some people began to use the pentagram in connection with the yud hevav hey, and they put a shin in the middle, and they started to speak about Yeshu, Yeshua, as the, the name of the, the Messiah. And in the 30s, 1930s, there was actually a movement which started to focus on the name of the Messiah as Yeshua, but they didn't put the shin in the middle of Yudhebab Hei. 
they simply pronounce the, the, the name of the Messiah that way because I think that yud Hey should be pronounced as Yah, which they say it's holy name, but that's a very subjective point of view. There can be other pronunciations, and to me they all, they all can be valid as long as they express the harmonic movement. And the pentagram is just an expression of five points coming together, even the four elements united by the fifth element, which is the consciousness of the universe or the ether and so on. Okay, um, why, why do you think that um, the ancient rabbis or Pharisees, the ancient Judaism, why is it that they were constantly trying to not include the real translation of the name of God? Was there, what's your opinions on that? Well, they thought it was a sacrilege that it was not holy to pronounce that name constantly. In ancient times, supposedly the, the Kohen Gadol, which was the high priest in the Temple of Solomon, was the only one allowed to pronounce the holy name once a year. And this pronunciation would literally heal people from sicknesses and forgive the sins. But I think this might be symbolic. I think the pronunciation of the holy name is rather the manifestation of the divine qualities in ourselves. The unconditional love, the pure life, conscience and serenity. We can say it's love, life, light and serenity. Those are the four main qualities of the Holy One and the Tetragrammaton. So pronouncing the Tetragrammaton, the divine verb, is not saying Yahweh or Yehovah or whatever you want to call it verbally. It's more the manifestation with our whole being, with mind, heart and body. Um, word, thought and action. It's a state of living consciousness and living conscience. But since human beings are very literal and they live mostly in the head, and they are infused to follow certain religious mindsets, they think about the pronunciation of the holy name in, in verbal or literal ways. And forbidding the pronunciation of yud hebab hey to some degree might have been related to avoiding this sort of interpretation. But I think those who forbade the pronunciation of yud hebab hey didn't understand what yud hebab hey was either. So I think it was more that. Um, that rule of not pronouncing the, the divine birth was more related to the, the laws of Judaism as they were human, <clears throat> sorry, humanly conceived. So it's, uh, it's complicated to 
to know the reason. It's what's more a reason of control, I think, of not letting the the so-called Gentiles go into their religion, not perverting something which was regarded as sacred. It's interesting because um, you just reminded me, um, now if I circle back to the breath of God and the connection with Yahweh, after I had that vision as I was waking up, I started looking up different songs that I just liked. And some of them were quote-unquote worship songs, stuff like that. And it was interesting because it was like the the Godhead or, or consciousness was speaking back to me or my own unconscious thoughts that are connected to the I am were speaking back to me because every song I looked up unconsciously doing it, they were about, there was lyrics in there about the breath of God, like the breath of God, it's in our lungs. And then also um, I even had a dream vision where I was like in this church and this, this was kind of interesting. You might find this interesting as I was in this church and then they were setting up for the band to play on stage, but um, no one was on stage yet. And then there was this gush of wind that came in the atmosphere, changed the atmosphere. And then there were people like speaking, I guess you would say Bible verses out loud, but it was like more of declaration and the, the wind of God kind of came in like almost like the spirit of God rushed in like a wind and resonated with those people's spirits. And they were consciously connected and they were like all youth and young people. And they were saying, they were saying things like where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, but there was this channel of energy that came out of their, their mouths. Um, Now, is there a connection with that, that dream I had with, the breath of God and the kind of, I don't know how to say it, ethereal power that it has. Well, um, it might be connected. As I said, the the breath of of God is the living energy and the living movement, the living dynamics of the living cosmos. And it can be interpreted that way I think reality has a way to communicate with us using images and allegories which somehow are very um, direct when we see them with the eyes of the spirit with the inner eyes and not with the intellectual mind and when we are immersed in a vision like that, obviously we can feel deeper things. And the breath of God is something which is very present even in in conventional religion. They also speak about the Lord God infusing the breath of God into Adam, for instance, in Genesis 2. Even though most people don't understand that, I think they miss the point because the breath of God it has has to do also with the um, the energy coming from the stars and, and the sun we are receiving solar winds and also astral forces 
um, I think astrophysicists would call it astral radiation or the ra planetary radiation and we are surrounded by that and some might tend to think that the breath of God is, is that because that's what keep our bodies somehow alive we wouldn't be able to survive without the, the light of the sun for instance or without certain substances which are in the air mm, but I think that's only um, a tiny part of the breath of of uh, the divine one even I, th I would say that the, the holy breath is something beyond the, the elements of the fallen world in which we exist and mostly the divine breath is related to the energy coming directly from the holy source and we can receive that mostly through our conscience not not so much through our physical nostrils but the spiritual nostrils the energy body when we realize who we are what we are in what is the meaning of of life that somehow feeds our being and feeds our soul because it's a holy impression and it's a more subtle breath the breath of conscience and the breath of the soul which is more a movement of energy going back to the source which is present everywhere wow if if i could think you know what comes to mind is like it's as if we're we're in this like dirty little puddle on the ground and then the breath of god and the and the true i am would be like a giant cosmo or universe like if, like we can't even perceive like if we were a germ inside that little dirty puddle and there's so many elements and there's an actual environment in that dirty puddle and then people study that puddle and they expand their consciousness to discover the pool nearby and stuff but they're not experiencing the true hugeness of the universe now how would you that's just a metaphor but this might be kind of hard but how would you describe the beyond so when you cross over and you truly are in the i amness or some people might call it heaven or become everything consciousness or go above that how would you describe the leap that you take from here to there where you don't get reincarnated you don't go to the different psychic hells you have truly accom accomplished the messiah mission what happens to you next well, I think mm, the leap is a shift of consciousness first and we can start experiencing right now. Actually, it is felt as a deep peace, a deep state of serenity in which you no longer care about the usual preoccupations that make us suffer in this existence. Even if something painful happens to us, but this, this must be taking place in this life. We, we shouldn't wait for the so-called afterlife because if there is no life before, there won't be life after. There, there would be a recycling. So um, then the I amness must be experienced when we align ourselves with the divine will, um, wishing to 
communicate with the Holy One, being aware of conscience within ourselves, which, which is the, the Son, the Divine Son. And we are part of that cosmic Son, if you will. And the taste of this uh, living experience is something that we must cultivate every day. When we go outside of this feeling, then we, we fall into what is known as the outer darkness. We all experience outer darkness every day when we get worried about what is going to happen, about the ailments that we have, when we get into discussions with others, all that it's part of the outer darkness. And then the leap is more a shift in which you suddenly realize that in true reality, there is no need to, to worry about what you are going to, to eat or what, 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 what you need, because everything is going to come in the right time, in the right place. I think it's more a letting go of preoccupations. And this, this must be every day. You cannot simply think that we will experience some heaven somewhere in the heights, because all that is part of the old paradigms of control. If you behave, as I say you, as I tell you, then you'll receive mm, gifts in heaven. That's how the church has controlled many people along the ages. And it's very sad when, when I see people involved in prayers, rituals, and they end up their life in in um, elderhood, um, in these sort of houses, re residences, we call them residences in, in Spain, I don't know in, in English, I think they would be houses for the old people. And most of them um, end up with dementia, Alzheimer, with all sorts of diseases. And all after having believed in, in the heavens and all these ideas that come from religion. And I find not only sadness in this, but that there is something within me which rebels against all these lies, which are literally destroying the mind and the heart of people, keeping them away from the living growth, which must take place so we don't end up in this sort of horrible state. So, the true heaven must be experienced right now within ourselves. That's the true kingdom of heaven, which is not a kingdom, it's um, an anarchy and um, an expansion, which is everywhere, it's not a place, because we are outside space and time. Therefore, we'd, we wouldn't speak of a quantum leap, as many are doing nowadays, this is not a question of doing quantum leaps. It's more a question of being ourselves and not part of a foreign world. Wow, I think that's that's spot on. And then um, I was thinking of ending the podcast there because that was such a great conclusion. But I wanted to ask you real quick, this is my last question, um, is the Book of Thomas 
um the I'm, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with that um my friend who i've um just been in contact recently told me about it i started reading it and it's very interesting because they have quotes from jesus in there that says that they the, if people tell you the kingdom is over there it's not there if the people tell you it's inside that house it's not there he was saying it's within you and all around you have you read the book of thomas and those jesus quotes Yes, of course. It's, it's one of the most important. I'd say it's the most important, but it was banned by the church. So what do you think is, is going on there? Was it supposed to be in the Bible? Was, is, is it actual quotes from Jesus? I think it is. Absolutely. It was part of the, the message of Yeshua. And uh, I think it's even more complete than the Gospels. Actually, mm, some of the researchers that have been involved in studying these documents came to the conclusion that the Gospel of Thomas is the famous Q document, which is the source document for many of the passages in the Gospels. And if, if, not, if it's not the whole Q document, it's part of the Q document. Q comes from Kele, which means source in German. And the source for many of the um, passages in the Gospels is obviously um, connected to the Gospel of Thomas, where you can see a more complete form of the phrases, like the one that you said, no? the kingdom of God is not just within, but all around. And in the Gospels, we only hear that the kingdom of um, the divine one is within. So this is one of the criteria that can be used to deduce that this document was known by the, the first followers of the, the disciples, not, not the, the followers of Yeshua, because he, he taught orally. They didn't write anything. Even the, the Gospels were not written by the followers of Yeshua. All that was organized in spiritual brotherhoods to spread the message into the so-called Gentile community and make it the message more available to everyone. And the Gospel of Thomas is fundamental. I think it's very important. Yeah, it seems that Yeshua was more um, esoteric. He was more um, deeper than what the churches are preaching. And I've noticed that, is that a lot of these churches there it's all about condemnation and control it never comes down to liberty freedom and and truly overcoming yourself and connecting to source yeah i i completely agree with you that's that's spot on um so fernando for anyone that doesn't know um from the previous podcast episodes where can they contact you or where can they watch your videos well i have a youtube channel known as Ena Harmony, E N A Harmony, A or M O N Y. So all together. Ena is I am in Aramaic. And there I speak about the teachings of the, of the Tree of Life and many other subjects related to it. And they can leave messages there. And I have a blog known as the Music of Wisdom.blog blogspot.com 
they can leave a message there. And also a web page, which is uh, usually in the, um, the description section of the YouTube channel. They can leave a message there and I can email them back. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys, I think that concludes our episode regarding the breath of God. We went all over the map, but I truly believe if you digest this information, meditate on it, ponder on it throughout your day, let it pop up and let you, I don't know, kind of just be observant of all your thoughts. I think you guys are truly come to deeper levels of understanding until next time uh, this is the all seeing one podcast and i'll see you guys later The important thing is we're awake.